0: of the third season of the Pour Your Heart Out podcast. I am your host, Elias Hinojosa, and today we have a very special episode with a very special somebody. His name is Gordon Smeaton, and Gordon is the consumer engagement specialist and entrepreneur uh, at his own firm. He's the marketing and strategic partnerships advisor for Heartwater, and he spent 20 years working for the National Football League uh, as the international marketing senior director and vice president. Um, Gordon Smeaton is a big asset to Heartwater and he knows and has been through a lot. So good, good, good. We're, uh, I see people are joining. Hi, hi, Gordon. Elias, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing good, Gordon. How are you doing? Well, it's been a tough day for New York. The, uh, the numbers, unfortunately, um, related to the virus continue to be, uh, very grim. Uh, A couple of, uh, you know, I I hate to say it, but record set today. So it's um, again, I'm afraid that the, uh, you know, the uh, the worst is yet to come, which is uh, which is very sad. But, uh, you know, fortunately, I think the authorities are doing whatever they can to uh, to mitigate this. But this is unlike uh, anything that we've seen in our in our lifetimes, I'm afraid.
0: I know. But I mean, New York has been through a lot. And the people of New York City have bounced back uh, time after time again with 9-11, the financial crisis. So uh, as a New Yorker, how do you think New Yorkers will respond?
1: Well, I think they're a very resilient bunch. Uh, it doesn't matter uh, whether you were here for 9-11 or not. You've lived with the resurgence of that part of the city. You were here perhaps for the financial crisis in, in 2008. You were here for Hurricane Sandy. And uh, you know, while New Yorkers sometimes get the reputation of being sort of a crusty bunch, it, in, in the case of Great Difficulty, uh, I, I, again, it's been remarkable how New Yorkers do pull together, from all walks of life, I might add.
0: Yes, and uh, speaking of New Yorkers, every day in New York at 7
1: o'clock, something happens, right? Uh, well, it's, uh, I think we may be a minute early. Minute early. At 7 p.m., we expect New Yorkers to gather on their balconies, mm-hmm. on the street, and essentially what they do is they make an awful lot of noise. To salute frontline uh, healthcare workers. Mm-hmm. So we'll uh, we'll open our window. We should be able to hear that pretty uh, pretty clearly because uh, the building across the street from our home uh, on the east side is is very active. So we'll try that. Uh, you'll have to bear with me because my uh, my camera skills may be uh, may be a little <laughs> shaky, but uh, hopefully you get an impact of you know the ripple effect that you talk about so much mm-hmm. on. The- on, on this podcast, and which of course is such a big part of uh, Heartwater's mission, because this started with, with just a handful of buildings in New York, and it's built now towards, a, you know, it's a salute to, uh, to frontline workers every evening. I love that. And how long has that been happening? Oh, I think at least two weeks, uh, if not a little longer. But it was one of those things that started in one part of the city and uh, has, just, uh, has just expanded. And people are really pouring their uh, their hearts out now. And after today's news, I suspect we'll uh, we'll hear one of the greatest cheers in, uh, in some time.
0: Oh, yes, I hope so. I mean, they're right there on the front lines. you know. That, and, and that. It's scary. These are scary times. These are scary times. But you brought up something really important the other day when we got on a call, uh, the importance of realizing that it's temporary and and that things are going to get better you called this situation that we're in a certain word do you remember what that word was
1: i use the word malaise and um it it describes i think an attitude as much as uh, as anything because it's very easy to get down i mean there are a lot of people suffering there are a lot of people unfortunately who uh, are losing their lives as uh, as part of this and i I, i couldn't come up with a with a better term but you know, I hate to say it, but this this will pass. It's just what's so frightening about it is we don't know when. We don't yeah. know uh, because there's no end date for something like this. We haven't experienced anything like this, uh, you know, in the United States for over 100 years. Mm-hmm. So there's not an awful lot. Of, we, we talk a lot. You hear every night on the news about models and people forecasting. The truth of the matter is, you know, no one really knows. Yeah. Uh, as up. I think we're starting to hear uh, the uh, the cheer, so oh, awesome, yeah, which which is good. So we'll uh, we'll go to the window in the, in a moment, Elias. But uh, you know, it's it's one of those things that is just because it's so unknown, because it's unseen, mm-hmm. you um you it, it really does create a very different scenario than anybody's been used to. Oh yeah,
0: and it's a wicked one too. It's not bacterial. It's it's viral. I mean, so it's That's- it's.
1: It's a whole other kind of different type of monster,
0: you know, different well, type of
1: threat. This this is exactly right, and you know, look, you're you're hearing, you know, the experts in the country talk about this, and you really really are looking to them for answers, and they're providing some comfort, but it's uh, it, it's impossible to predict. Yeah. So we're gonna take, take a quick look over, and uh, here, so keep your ears, uh, ears and eyes peeled. For okay. The- the New York cheer for Frontline. One second. Okay.
0: Beautiful. What does it look like on the street right now?
1: pretty quiet, to be honest. Yeah,
0: with. yeah, good, good. That's a good sign. Well, that's amazing. That's incredible. That is a, a tradition that's been going on for the past two weeks. For those who have just uh, logged in, that people in New York City they go on their balconies and they applaud and salute the first responders, the, the the people on the front lines, the medical professionals. You know, so that is just that's such a wonderful sight to see and hear, and uh, I mean, the human spirit. You know, and the how tenacious it can it can be is really really inspiring so what a great way to start off this conversation cordon i
1: I hope uh you were able to see again uh my camera work probably suspect uh but i hope it was perfect i hope the audio came through clear for it did uh, for your viewers it
0: really really did thank you for that thank you for providing us with a little look a peek into into how New York City is handling everything and it looks like people will bounce back once again like has like history has shown
1: well I don't know whether you heard but believe it or not the neighborhood pets are also involved there were a number of dogs that were uh, that are joining the chorus.
0: <laughs> good 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 all um, of God's animals
1: am I right <laughs> exactly so anyway it's uh, but it's a gesture and that's just one a uh, small sample of what's happening, uh, you know, right across New York City in support of the frontline workers we talked about.
0: Beautiful, beautiful. So um, in the face of every crisis, there, there is uh, opportunity. You know, yes. there, there is, uh, and as a business person, as a businessman, as a successful one, might I add too, and a marketer, what does something like this mean to a business? What does this mean to the business world? And how does a business sort of adapt? Or what are the first steps?
1: Well, first of all, you have to uh, take stock, and, and particularly of the people that work for you. This is a particularly uncomfortable time because um, it doesn't matter what your, what your product or your service is, orders may have, uh, have dried up. The people that you are dealing with may have been laid off. Um, you know, commerce in, in many cases in this country has come to a standstill. And for a lot of, uh, a lot of employees, again, whether they're uh, full-time, part-time, or otherwise, have never experienced anything like this. So this is a time for leadership. And I think it's very clear the the, the real leaders emerge, the real pe- you know, people with strong skills, you know, um, are, remain calm through something like this. They're able to chart a perhaps different course. They pivot, but they're able to um, exude a sense of confidence that while this is a very difficult situation now, um, perhaps, you know, uh, a couple of months from now, or maybe it's later this year, depending on uh, the sort of business that you're in, this will come back and it'll come back with, uh, with a bang because you'll have this great pent up energy. But mm-hmm. it's, it, it is a real challenge motivating your, uh, your employees, your customers and others through this sort of scenario. With Heartwater, since you are
0: the marketing and strategic partnerships advisor, wanna get that title right. With Heartwater as a company, we always operate as a purpose first, sales second. Um, and how has you know, this whole adapting to change and, and uh, discovering company purpose, how, how does that work with Heartwater? What are some things that Heartwater has done to, um, to further enact that ripple effect as of late?
1: Well, first of all, I want to give full credit to Michael and Ileana Dadashi, who uh, I know appeared on the podcast last week. And so, but it, you know, when you're dealing with this situation, you, you always go back to the mission of the company and the vision for the company. And the truth of the matter is that they laid out a path for this company, which allows Heartwater to adapt to take advantage of certainly situations to pull back from certain situations but truthfully to reflect what they really want to do with uh, with the brand with the product and so on and i have what i think is is very meaningful news today and you know you and i've talked a little bit about this about you mentioned you know there's an opportunity in a crisis well Um, Michael had asked me to look at, you know, potentially contributing uh, heart water product to the front lines, whether it happened to be the, uh, you know, the hospital ship, which is in uh, New York Harbor, as you know, or the Javits Center, which has has been, uh, you know, uh, changed over to a thousand bed hospital facility. Well, today, I was in contact with uh, New York University Hospital. Uh, I knew uh, a friend in the neurology department there. Coincidentally, they had just put out a request for they wanted to raise $1,000 a day for the 50 people on this particular floor so that frontline workers would not have to leave the, the floor, whether it be to go to the cafeteria or out to a deli or what have you. Mm-hmm. So they, they were asking to, to, to raise funds for the frontline workers. Sure enough, what they hadn't asked about um, was, uh, was beverages water for the, uh, for the frontline workers. Sure enough, you know, it, it really was very, uh, really happenstance. Um, Michael had asked me to look at this. And so I think we have our first partner, if you will, uh, to receive a donation of, of heart water. And within 15 minutes, I was put in contact with the head of the food and beverage for the universal hospital system, which by the way, uh, has over uh, five campuses throughout uh, New York state. So it's not wow. just Manhattan, it's, it's Long Island, it's Brooklyn and so forth. Yeah. And wow. they're ecstatic about this. And what really struck them was that someone from Austin, Texas would look, now I, admittedly Michael has, uh, has family in the New York area and so forth, but the fact that Austin would reach out and do something for uh, people in need, people who are suffering, in New York City, that uh, to me is, is is exactly what the ethos of this company is uh, is all about. And you know, there, there are a number of logistics that uh, that need to be worked out for something like this. But they, uh, we were among the first organizations to contact the hospital directly to see what it was that we that we could do. Hmm.
0: I love that, I love that so much. That reminds me a lot about um, a few points that I read in the Bill Gates article that, that you had shared with me a few days ago. Uh, yeah. To catch, catch everyone that's watching you know, a little bit up to speed on what this Bill Gates article
1: is. Well, it was interesting, you know, there's been a lot of publicity around a TED Talk that Bill Gates gave in 2015. And his warning at that time, which has proved uh, eerily prescient, is that um, the United States was not prepared for a major pandemic? Mm-hmm. And he went into great detail about about why and what would what would be impacted. You know, for the supply chains and did healthcare facilities. You know, were they prepared? Really, state by state. The truth of the matter is, and what's exceptionally sad is that he was absolutely right with this. The article which I shared with, uh, with you, Michael and Ileana, really pointed out that, you know, this has happened. So mm-hmm. now we know, what are we really going to learn from this situation to prevent anything of this magnitude happening, uh, happening again? Because mm-hmm. this truly will transform the way society looks at this sort of situation and again we don't want to get into you know blame games or anything like this but the truth of the matter is we we really did get a late start in terms yeah. of we had information coming from uh, asia and so forth and uh, truthfully everything that bill had laid out um has uh, i i would say has been proven correct mm-hmm. so you have thinkers you have leaders who are talking about this it's incumbent on our leaders to, to recognize that and to make those preparations. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that, and that's where when he came out with, you know, 12 or 13 recommendations, again, this isn't, this isn't casting blame, it's mm-hmm. how are we as a society going to learn to prevent anything like this again? We mm-hmm. all know this has happened, the flu happens on an annual basis of course there's going to be a rush to a vaccine, of course there's going to be a rush to uh, you know, medicine to help mitigate perhaps some of, the, uh, some of the conditions, but it's a much larger question that we as a, a society are going to have to address. And what he also said is that it really does reinforce the fundamentals in life. Do we have shelter? Do we have you know, family? Clearly, clearly important. But what he also pointed out was the notion of natural resources. And he listed the importance of something like water. And without water, you know, there, is no, there is no life. And that really struck a chord uh, for obvious reasons, but to, to really think about preserving that and to making sure that we weren't uh, you know, taking, um, taking advantage of, in a lot of communities, a shortfall mm-hmm. of or pollution in the aquifer and, uh, and and so forth. So I really think we're gonna take a hard look at, uh, at this as a, uh, a society. In fact, I, I really don't think we have any choice. We cannot uh, exploit our, uh, our natural resources. And I think even climate change will be addressed. They're certainly seen in a, in a different light once we get through this pandemic.
0: Oh, I love that, I love that. And then something you had said um, earlier when talking about the hospitals, about how, how the hospitals were, were thankful and a little bit surprised that a company based out of Austin, uh, lent out a hand like that. And that reminded me of, of point number one in this article that that this whole situation is reminding us that we are all equal, regardless of our culture, religion, occupation, financial situation, how famous we are, you know, and it doesn't have any borders, you know, and that's something that I feel like will get everyone wake people up a little bit, you know, shake them out of their out of their own personal little bubbles. and and Burst their uh, their comfort zones a bit. And, and I feel like things will get better.
1: I, I, I hope that's the case, Alaska. Right. I'm an optimist as, uh, as you are. Uh, but I think we have to take care of each other. You know, this situation really didn't, uh, didn't care whether you lived in the Bronx or you lived in Brooklyn or uh, you, you lived in Singapore. That's what's so frightening about something like this. We are all, by the way, uh, you know, it, 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 we're all humans, and mm-hmm. I don't fight it any more than uh, than you can. We have to come up with solutions that really take in take into account the entire population. We we
0: talk about ripple effect and what that means to us, you know, as as a company, but also to us as individuals, and what it means to other people out in the world, especially now. Uh, another example of the ripple effect that really surprised me was the the way that you view quarantine uh, as a family exercise. Right. What have you been doing with your family to further uh, push that ripple effect make it bigger?
1: Well, my wife have might have a different uh, perspective. As a matter of fact, she may be sick of seeing me as much as she <laughs> as, as she is. But what it's allowed uh, my daughter and uh, my wife do is we have dinner together every night. In fact, one of the most important decisions of the day will be, what are we, uh, what are we going to be preparing? So we all pitch in and, uh, and so forth. But uh, remember the tradition uh, from, uh, I think, many years ago where you, know, you, you used to dine together on a very frequent basis. Mm-hmm. Today, uh, for a variety of reasons, it's less, uh, it's less common what this has allowed us to do is to remember some of those traditions and celebrate those uh, those traditions and what's come out of that is we of course we we share what happened during uh, during our day and what really struck us early with new york as the as the epicenter is the number of people that we heard from who in some cases we hadn't spoken with in a year in some cases 10 years ago mm-hmm. And what was remarkable is everyone was, was calling with the same question, how are you? And then we said, well, you know what, look, we're, we're very fortunate, you know, um, we're, we're well, we're sheltering in, uh, in place, obeying all the guidelines for the, uh, you know, from the city and, uh, and the state. But wouldn't it be interesting for us then to go out to contact people rather than mm-hmm. wait for someone to get, uh, you know, nervous because they've watched the, uh, you know, the NBC evening news and all the news is, is very grim. But let's go outbound <laughs> and say, look, opportunity. To, to reach it. invariably when people uh, you know answer and by the way people have a lot of time to uh, to talk you're finding them people are returning phone quickly they say how great it is to hear from you so that connection which in some cases has been lost even with extraordinary uh, you know telecommunications abilities what have you yeah. it brought us back together we're talking to people and by the way it's not just my wife and my, uh, my friends and family, but we're talking to our children's friends. We're sort of popping in and, and out of each other's Zoom calls and so forth. So yeah. there is a lightness to that that I think is, uh, is, is very meaningful. And it, it's almost an unintended consequence of, uh, of the situation. And we've loved it.
0: Exactly. I mean, no pun intended, but it's an opportunity for more FaceTime you know, with with the people who you maybe lost touch with over the years or family members. Um, But like you said, in every crisis, there's opportunity. There's opportunity in every crisis. And then as a family, you know, the family unit, there's opportunity. There's opportunity to spend more time together, opportunity to reach out to people who who once meant something to you in your life. It's important to stay tethered. And you brought something up the other day that really stuck with me. And it will be something that I will always remember. By reaching out, we are being brought in. You know, like it's it's that strange reverse logic. Even though we're so quarantined and separated and seemingly isolated for a lot of people, it's an opportunity to be brought in further as 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 a a human unit. You know, as a community. So I think that's really beautiful that you give your family that challenge.
1: I think that's right, and. You know we've we're we're enjoying the fact that our daughter may join a uh, a happy hour you know Friday night at uh, at five o'clock or uh, or something like that. But what it's also done for us is our son happens to be based up in uh, up up in Toronto. Well, you know he uh, mm-hmm. the city of Toronto is facing a similar situation, but he joins us every night at dinner through <coughs> FaceTime. So we are we are sharing as as a result of that and learning even more. Truthfully, about our children's lives and, by extension, other other family members.
0: I love that. Yes, people are sharing more. That's a surprising silver lining that's come out of this experience. People are people are letting down their their walls a little bit more, um, even though, ironically enough, we're behind them all the time now. But yeah, that's a great challenge that you and your family kind of you know set out to do. Uh, an opportunity to to get more connected to the people in your life. So, get, correct me if I'm wrong, but every day. Every day at dinner, you talk about who you reached out to that day that you hadn't in a while, and then you kind of yes. set, you set a goal for who you're going to reach out to the next day. So it's this cycle of bringing people back in. You know? You're creating this web of people who were already in your life, and that's something that everyone can adopt more of, and certainly I will with my family. So thanks for that.
1: Uh, Elias, there isn't a day that goes by without uh, one member of our family hearing from someone who surprises them that they weren't necessarily thinking about them mm-hmm. but they're thinking about us mm-hmm. and you know in, in fact one the subject line in, um, in in one email that i received today was new york city survival that captures your attention you know some of the opportunities that this sort of situation has uh, has presented that were really quite uh, quite unintentional but a really uh, a, a really positive outcome in a difficult scenario
0: I love this by reaching out we're ultimately and, in, and effectively bringing people back in, you know, um, in a way that hasn't happened with, like you said, the launch of new tools, technological tools that are supposed to bring us together more have ultimately, you know, spread us apart a little bit and the whole climate politically and culturally that's been happening in this country for the past, you know, while it's nice to see people looking out for each other and the, the applauding on the balconies in New York City, that is just, amazing. And you're right Gail, family comes to the forefront during these difficult times and it's important to, to make sure you're grounded in what's most important. Heartwater would like to thank our marketing and strategic partnership advisor Gordon Smeaton for joining us. It was an amazing experience talking with him and talking with him about New York City, the resilience of human life and what we can do to make this world a little bit of a better place and cause that ripple effect. So go out in the world, be kind to one another, love each other, and we will see you next week. Thank you, Gordon, thank you, Heartwater. I'm your host, Elias, bye.